Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. They sing this song of the Lamb, and we actually have the words to this song right here. Great and marvelous are your works. Again, exceeding and abundant are your works, Lord God Almighty. The word Almighty means someone who has all power. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. You always do what is right, they sing. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, and all the nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been made manifest. Notice here, once again, that these martyrs sing this song, the song of the Lamb. And it isn't about them. It isn't singing, God, look at how faithful I've been. It isn't singing, God, look at how I believed and I trusted in you. God, look at the suffering that I I went through to prove to you my love. It's completely devoid of thoughts of themselves. Because when you're truly in the presence of God, all you're going to want to sing about is his glory. If that is not bursting forth from our lips, if God's glory, if his worth, if his majesty, if his great and marvelous works are not on our hearts and not on our lips, it's because we haven't been in his presence. We haven't been basking in his glow. We haven't been soaking in his love and his grace and his mercy. And God would say to you, why? Why? I don't want you to be distracted with yourself. I don't want you to get your eyes on yourself. I want you to take those eyes and I want you to fix them and focus them in on me. And I want you to listen to my voice. And I'll lead you. I will lead you into my presence. You'll never be the same. Your way of thinking will never be the same. Your actions will never be the same. You will no longer be bound by thoughts of self, but you'll be set free to think grander, larger, greater, bigger thoughts, thoughts of my majesty and my glory. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways. Just and true, you always do what is right. All the nations shall come before you and worship you. The word means to prostrate themselves, to lay out before the God of God and the King of Kings, just to pour everything out and to bow before them. And this song says that every nation is going to come and bow like that. Paul said this to the Philippians. He said that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Every knee will bow. The question is, when will that knee bow? Will you bow in response to God's grace and his love, or will you bow in response to his wrath and his anger? Because God invites you to bow today in response to grace and love. He doesn't want to pour out upon you that wrath. In that anger. Now, this is crazy to think about now. Watch this. We're going to see the angels of wrath now being presented. These angels are going to come forth that are going to pour out their wrath on an unbelieving world. Listen to this. Verse 5. 
After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came seven angels, having seven plagues, clothed with pure bright linen. It speaks of their purity. And having chests, their chests were girded with golden bands, which speaks of their glory. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Now, this should cause our jaws to drop. Because what this is saying is that right now, God is storing up his wrath in bowls to pour out upon the world that doesn't believe. Did you hear that? God is storing up his wrath and his anger. Listen to what this scripture says in Psalm chapter 7. It says, God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. And he does not turn back. He will sharpen his sword. He will bend his bow and make it ready. Did you hear that? God is angry with the wicked every single day. And he's storing up that wrath for that day that he pours it out on the earth. And what's happening right now is we're catching a glimpse of this. God is showing us what this is going to be like. These angels come forth and they're given all that God has been storing up for this moment at this time in history, and for this day. The scripture says that we should pray that we would be worthy to escape this kind of wrath. The only way we can be worthy to escape this kind of wrath is when we call out upon the name of Jesus today. Today, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today, we must call upon the name of the Lord. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, the scripture said, you shall be saved. Call upon the name of Jesus this morning, friends, and be saved from this kind of wrath. Now, this goes from the angels being revealed, the angels being presented to the presence, the glory that is in God's presence. Look at this, verse 8. It says, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So we see this smoke fill the temple. We see this happening in Isaiah chapter 6. Write that down and read it later. Isaiah chapter 6, how Isaiah catches a glimpse of the glory of God, and the temple is filled with smoke. Moses saw a cloud come down upon the tabernacle, and a cloud came down upon the first temple, and it filled that temple with God's glory, and man couldn't go into that. It was too glorious a thing. Man wasn't permitted in, and now what's happening is in the heavenly temple, the same thing has happened. God's presence and his glory is filling the temple with smoke. And no one can come into that temple until God's wrath has been completely poured out upon an unbelieving world. Now, in chapter 16, we're going to see God pour out his wrath. The wrath of God is now poured out upon these people. And let's read what happens here. Verse 1 of chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Can you imagine what that would sound like? The resounding, booming voice of God speaking to his angels, saying, now is the time, go pour out the wrath that I've been storing up for this time, for this purpose, and for this hour. I do not want to hear that voice from the earth. I want to hear that voice from heaven. I don't want to experience that wrath. I can be a spectator, but I do not want to be a participant of that wrath. To hear that voice, go and pour it out. 
Look at how this happens now. And, and what happens here is this wrath is poured out is that we see that God's wrath is painful. In verse 2, So the first angel went out and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. The first thing that happens is God's angel pours out this bowl, and this wrath comes upon the earth, and the men who have the mark of the beast who took that mark so that they could buy and sell, remember? They took the mark of the beast because it was convenient. Because they needed it to be able to trade, to be able to buy and sell. Those who have the mark, their bodies are covered with a loathsome sore. Some people believe that that loathsome sore, that these blisters will actually begin where the mark was taken, on the forehead or on the right hand. So God's wrath is painful. First off, man becomes blistered. Now, there's a theory called this, called the canopy theory, that before the flood, that the world was surrounded by a canopy of moisture. It was like a super protectant ozone layer, if you will. And man had become so wicked that God said, I'm not going to allow man to live to 900, 1,000 years anymore. So I'm going to remove that layer, that cushion, that surrounding of protection from the world, that layer of moisture. I'm going to remove that so that man doesn't live so long. And so that canopy collapses upon the earth, and that's the first rain, and that's why the flood of Noah happened, called the canopy theory. Now, reason with me here just for a moment. What would happen if God removed the rest of the ozone that we have? What would happen to the skin of men? Now, I'm not telling you to go out and buy a Prius, okay? I'm not telling you that global warming is going to bring about the end of the world. What I'm saying is that God in a moment can remove that layer of protection. He can say, these people have become too wicked, just like in the flood. Too wicked. And so I'm going to remove my protection, and they're going to feel the full force of their sin. And their skin became boils. Their, their skin began to blister. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that blistering from the sun? Now, this should tell us two things. First thing, do not compromise your faith. Do not compromise. These people took the mark because they needed it. It seemed convenient. Don't do that. This is what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness. If you are a Christian, if Jesus is living in your hearts, you can't not be playing footsies with the world. You have no place in the world. This world is not your home. Do not compromise. These people compromised and they were tortured because of it. Do you see what happened there? Secondly, do not settle. Do not settle. Listen to what this scripture says in 1 John chapter 2. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And this world is passing away. And so is the lust of it. But he who abides in the will of God will abide forever. Now listen. If we're settling for what the world has to offer, we're going to be disappointed. This shows us that we cannot compromise and we cannot settle. We have to stay faithful. We have to remain faithful. We have to remain committed to the Lord and only to the Lord. Don't chase the world. Don't chase the lust of the flesh. 
Don't chase the lust of the eyes. Don't chase the pride of life. All of that is passing away, and it's not going to last, and it's not going to stand. But if you chase the things of God, it will remain, and you will not be disappointed. Do not compromise and do not settle. Listen to what happens next. Verse 3. We're going to see that the seas become blood. The second angel pours out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Have you ever watched the news and seen thousands, maybe even millions of fish, like lying on the top of the water, dead? Now, there's a phenomenon, a natural occurring phenomenon called red tide. And what happens when a red tide comes is that level of algae in the water spikes, and it's called a red plankton. And this plankton multiplies, and it depletes the water of all oxygen. So the fish that use their gills to breathe in the oxygen from the water, they all die. It's called red tide. Now, it could be something like that happening, or God could just miraculously turn all of the waters red, just like what happened with the plagues of Egypt. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I don't want to see it. I don't want to see every single living creature in all of the seas, in all of the oceans dead, lying on the water. Can you imagine what the smell will be like as that protective layer of ozone is removed and the fish are rotting on the surface of the seas? It's going to be disgusting. I can't even imagine what's going to happen. And it doesn't stop there because not only do the seas become blood, but the natural fresh waters become blood as well. Verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them their blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Do you see this? Imagine what it's like. The sun beating down on your skin, blistering you. The stench of rotting carcasses of wildlife from the seas, disintegrating and deteriorating all around you. And then to not have water to quench your thirst in the midst of that scorching heat. Because there's no water to find that hasn't been turned to blood. This is God pouring out his wrath on an unbelieving world. This is God continuing to pour out that wrath. And did you notice there that these angels sing that you're right you're true, you're righteous, this is the right thing to do. You've given them their just due. The more time progresses, the more days go on, the more difficult it will become to live for the Lord. It says here that two classes of people were slain by the wicked in the world. The first being the saints. That word means to be set apart, to be removed from the world and to be placed in the kingdom. It means to be set apart for a specific purpose, like the tools and the instruments in the tabernacle and in the temple, to be sanctified, to be holy, to be set apart. That's who we are in Christ. We are separate from the world. We're not supposed to look like the world or act like the world or sound like the world. We're supposed to live a life that is separate. And as we begin to live those lives of separateness, the scripture is clear, and Paul warns his young protege Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? 
persecution. You're going to suffer persecution. But the evil men and the imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Those who want to live righteous lives, they're going to suffer persecution, and the wicked are just going to keep increasing. That's what we have to look forward to. Isn't that great news? But in the midst of that, God will draw you close. He will pull you in. So the saints are persecuted, but also it says the prophets. The role of a prophet is to speak forth God's truth in the midst of culture. That's what the prophets did in the Old Testament. That's what a prophet will do today. Someone who is willing to stand and to speak forth the truth of God's word, the truth of God's plan in the midst of a culture that most of the time will reject it. The only thing that these prophets were guilty of was speaking forth a message of repentance, a message of hope, a message that says, if you stop living in sin, if you stop living that kind of a life, you can be right with God. That's what they did. And guess what the culture did to them? They took them and they slayed them. Every single prophet lost their life. Why? Because man doesn't want to be told what to do. Because man doesn't want to have the burden of wrestling with that guilt. Man doesn't want to be convicted in their hearts. Many men will do whatever they can to avoid the conviction of the Spirit because they don't want to give up their sin. They love their sin more than they love the Lord. Now, this text says that they got their just reward. Think about this just for a moment. What does our culture really truly deserve? And if you go there tonight, Romans chapter 1, verses 22 through 32, I want you to write that down. Because we don't have time to go through the entire list of all of the sins that the culture is dealing with, that we're dealing with today. But at the end of that, Paul says, not only the people who participate in all of those different types of activities are worthy of destruction, but also those who approve of others doing them. Did you hear that? You're not just guilty if you partake of the sin. You're guilty by association if you support or you approve of those people who are uh, guilty of that sin. Now, you might feel like, well, you know, I don't participate in adultery. But what does our television have and that we watch as entertainment? Are we guilty by association? Listen to some of this. Listen to this. Do you realize that in our culture, sex trade has become so wicked that there are 300,000 in America annually. 300,000. Listen to this. Pornography, 260 million sites, 37% of the internet are pornographic sites. Now, you might not feel like you're engaged in sexual immorality, but by association, you're approving of those who do it whenever you watch. This text says, just and true were your ways. Your righteous anger, it was right. Abortion, 300,000 per day. Now, there's hope. If you've struggled with any kinds of these sins, pornography, abortion, there's hope. 
God doesn't want to pour his wrath out on you. He wants you to respond to his grace and his love and his mercy this morning. And that is there for the taking. If you'll just reach out and say, God, I need it. God, I need you. Wednesday nights, we're studying 1 Corinthians. That the title of that series is living a godly life in the midst of a godless culture. How can we remain pure? How can we remain prophets? How can we keep our hearts committed to the Lord in the midst of a culture that is accepting and inviting of sin? How can we remain pure and holy and true and righteous? You better be careful. Because you might think that no one sees your sin and that your sin doesn't have any consequences, but this is what Hebrews chapter 10 says. It says, this is the Lord speaking, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What we deserve, the scripture says, is wrath. The wages of sin is death. We deserve that wrath. But this is what God's word says. Lamentations 3.22. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail us not. We deserve wrath. We deserve death. But because of God's mercy, we're not consumed. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So we see this happen. We see this wrath being poured out, these first three rolls. But now I want to get into the next portion here. Not only is God's wrath painful, but God's wrath is also precautionary. It is a warning. God is trying to speak to you this morning saying, wake up. He's shaking you saying, you do not want to experience this. You want nothing to do with this. And look at what happens here, verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire and men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues and they still did not repent and give him glory. So first thing here, the precautionary judgment of God is that we see mankind being burned, literally being burned. Now in the case of a supernova, when a star reaches the end of its lifespan, it supernovas at the end. And what that literally means is that it burns brighter and more powerful and hotter than ever before in its very last stage before it completely extinguishes. And so what I believe we're seeing here is that the sun is basically in that stage of supernova. Have you heard all of the commotion and how the government's trying to protect against EMPs? Have you heard of that? electromagnetic pulse when solar flares come out from the sun and it wreaks havoc on the magnetic field of the earth and we can actually lose power grids. Now imagine this just for a moment, that the sun gets to the supernova stage and God's letting go of the sun and the sun burns as brighter and hotter than ever before and men begin to be scorched. It goes from being blistering to being burned. Skin is being burned. God is letting go of his wrath, and here it's coming in full force, and the scripture foretells of this in another place, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will all be burned up. Malachi 4.1 says this, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. That day of judgment, that day that God pours out his wrath. So how is it that this is precautionary, a warning? You know why? It's because hell is a place of burning. The scripture says this over and over again. 
There's the parable of the wheat and the tares, and that wheat and the tares, they're growing together, and you can't separate the wheat from the tares until the end of the harvest. When the end of the harvest comes, the wheat and the tares get separated, and the wheat gets brought into the barn, but where does the, where does the tares go? They go to an ash heap. They go to an unquenchable fire. This morning, are you a wheat or are you a tear? Is your destiny the storehouse of God or is your destiny an unquenchable fire? Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.